Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome in. I am Brady Cannon live at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa on a Thursday. And I'm here with my guys in the desert. One being my partner, Wes Reynolds. And Wes, the 149th edition of the Open Championship is underway at Royal St. George's in Sandwich, England. The final golf major of the season. One round in the books. What did you think? Did you like the golf course? Anything you were surprised by? What were your feelings after one round in the books of the British Open? Well, I think, and we'll get to that more. More later in the program, we did have a little bit of a draw bias in the morning. I think it was about 1.6 shots difference. So rounded up, you could say almost a two-shot difference between the guys that went out in the morning and then the guys that went out in the afternoon flight. And you really saw the wind did kind of pick up a little bit. It was a little bit more benign in the morning. So I was a little surprised to see the scoring as low as we saw it, considering the last winning score here was five under par. But it looks like this was going to play easier just because the conditions were easier. The fairways are fairly forgiving if you don't get bad bounces into the rough or into these pot bunkers and not a, I mean some surprises and some non-surprises there on the leaderboard no surprise to see Jordan Spieth at five under par and and I think uh, look the last the two majors that he won here at Royal Birkdale in 2017 and also the Masters back in 2014 
shot 65 in the first round. So at least maybe that's a good sign for me with the Jordan Spieth ticket. So I often say the trend is more your acquaintance than your friend. I hope that trend is my best friend because he's my best pony in the fight right now. And he looks like he is pretty much the market favorite about four to one, maybe seven to two, like plus 350. Louis Oosthuizen, I don't want to say I was surprised to see him be the first round leader at six under with a nice 64 this morning. But you kind of thought, okay, he's kind of become a little bit too obvious and a little bit too trendy because this is a guy that's usually a 50 to one player that's now going off as low as 25 to one or somewhere in the mid twenties in the market. Well, he's continued that good form as a big game hunter in the majors. And now with the outright lead at six under par, and he's about the second choice on the board, four to one, nine to two, which would be plus four fifty. So some guys that we did see on the leaderboard, Stuart Sink, I think was a guy we both thought was going to play well. And he's kind of had this career resurgence at 48 years old. He is in at four under bar right below him there. As you see on that leaderboard, Webb Simpson, who had not been playing very well, who withdrew with an injury at the Wells Fargo, missed the cut badly at the U S open and really hasn't shown a lot of life lately, but does get in four under par. Uh, I thought Tommy Fleetwood in the afternoon, and we get to maybe some in play uh, discussion when we talk about that with Steven Hennessy here, at the uh, last segment of the hour. I liked how he played in the afternoon because I thought he grinded. He played smart golf. He didn't really get himself into too much trouble or when he did, it was recoverable positions. And that's kind of the key because you're going to get in trouble out here. So Tommy Fleetwood, a nice round. Scotty Scheffler and Colin Marikawa, the debutants here at the Open Championship. They say, we don't need experience. Experience is for the birds. And they both get in with 67s today. Yeah, Jordan Spieth, I thought would be the adjusted favorite. And I'm sure in some books he is. But at BetMGM, both Jordan Spieth and Louis Eustazen share the adjusted favoritism at plus 450. Morikawa at 60. To one. Dustin Johnson, a nice round. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of moments where he struggled a little bit, but he was able to finish with a two under par start for his British Open in 2021. He's at 20 to one at BetMGM to go on to win this. You mentioned Stuart Sink at 33 to one in the adjusted board here. And I think Stuart Sink might be worth a bet. I mean, this guy's obviously won an open championship before, has two wins on the PGA Tour this season, starts out great with a four under par start to his championship. And, you know, if if you're looking to get in, I don't really like to get in after the first round. Right. The earliest I usually do it is Friday well, night. Well, because of that draw bias, sure. too. Yeah, so, we'll see if that takes yeah. place. Uh, you know, obviously, the guys that teed off early this morning, they're going to go off late tomorrow. Will the, re- uh, will the wind freshen in the afternoon of round two? And you bring up that draw bias. I also think it's kind of interesting. The the wind is supposed to be a little bit lighter. Today was supposed to be the biggest day of wind. I think it's always going to kind of stay in that 15-mile-an-hour range. Mm-hmm. But I think today was maybe the most, uh, you know, brutal that they're going to face. And, and it wasn't totally brutal. But there, there was some gusts, certainly, of 20 miles an hour or better. You wonder if it'll kind of offset. The course figures to get firmer and mm-hmm. faster, but the wind will maybe lessen a little bit. I think over the course of time, by the time we get to Sunday, the course will be a little bit more demanding. Yeah, I think so, too. And you did bring up sink, and I want to get that in before the reset here. This is kind of the perfect type of course for him, really, is the fact that Green fairways and greens, greens and regulation approach. That's the strongest part of his game at 48 years old, and he absolutely proved it today. That is Wes Reynolds. I am Brady Cannon here at the South Point. More My Guys in the Desert here coming back.
right, welcome back to My Guys in the Desert here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for joining us this afternoon and talking about a little open championship. One round in the books at Royal St. George's. Louis Oosthuizen is your first-round leader at six under par. At five under par, you have two Americans in Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon. Uh, one guy that I don't think was all of that much of a surprise Wes and finding himself up there at the top of the leaderboard again is the Canadian Mackenzie Hughes who we just saw have a very good U.S. Open over at Torrey Pines and you and I were discussing this last night I kind of felt similarly about Russell Henley when you get into that cauldron Mm -hmm. and really for the first time in your career and especially in the case of Mackenzie Hughes I think you're bound to bounce back and like, okay, I can handle this. And it didn't work out for either Hughes or Russell Henley at the U.S. Open, but Mackenzie Hughes has bounced back really nicely and seems to have found a familiar space here at the top of the leaderboard. Well, we know the A1 strength of his game is putting. Yep. And look, these are different type of greens this week, too, because it's 60% fescue, about 40% bent grass. These are also really slow greens. These are about a little, maybe a smidge over 10 on the stint meter. And these guys usually here on the on American soil that play their golf on this side of the pond. Usually you're getting 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half on the stint meter. So very slow greens. Uh, and uh, one thing I do want to point out, because we'll get into this live discussion in terms of maybe where we go in play after this round, or maybe like you said, you like to lay, wait till both guys have had kind of their morning and afternoon flights and get in after Friday night before the third round. This from uh, our friend Dave Tindall at Dave Tindall Golf, who's a regular guest on Lawn Shots at least once or twice a year and he has some sobering stats for those that did not start well 15 or 13 rather the last 15 open winners began with the round in the 60s 14 out of the 15 ended the day one out inside the top 20 so inside the top 20 right now t19 is two under par so you do have some big names paul casey got in there at two under dustin johnson got in there at two under victor hovland got in there at two under but i don't really want to dismiss some of the guys that may be one under par like brooks kapka did get in at one under par rory mcelroy grinded and eventually got back to even par he was mostly over par for most of his rounds Xander shoffley also in at one under so there could be exceptions to those trends but that basically says hey you don't want to be be too far out of the lead and we had some guys shoot some decent sized numbers that maybe weren't expected to Bryson DeChambeau one over par John Rahm one over par uh, Shane Lowry run at one over par so it's like are these guys maybe too far back at this standpoint there's a lot of golf left to be played but obviously those trends indicate you want to be close and get off to a good start you can't win it the first day but you can lose it uh, Wes you know what I looked at that same thing that Mr. Tyndall our friend put out there on Twitter about first round trends after the first round going forward who has won the open championship and I'll tell you what I kind of throw out Louis Spieth and Harmon that's only three guys at mm-hmm. minus six and two at minus five so I kind of I kind of consider in my mind if I'm looking to get reinvested here that minus four is your lead right now and that takes you to plus one if you have that five stra- uh, five shot margin and basically the top 32 players I think everybody at plus one or better is still in the mix and that does I mean I don't I'm not ready to count out John Rom right yet. right 
right, you can. And now you're getting him at some places as high as 40 to 1. He was the basically the favorite at 8 to 1 pretty much across the board. So, look, there's obviously notable exceptions to that rule, but one guy that's not going to make a comeback, Brady, is <laughs> yeah. our PGA champion, Phil Mickelson. Uh, a very rough start for Phil. He tried to break 80 with a with the putt on 18, did not make it. So, a 10 over 80 in his first round of the Open Championship. Failed to break 80 in the opening round of a PGA Tour event because this is a joint PGA Tour and European Tour event for the third time in his career and his first since 2003. And there were a lot of people that were kind of unsure about Phil. And I said, I'm not really fading him or playing him this week. Maybe I'd look at him as the low left-hander at 7-2, to but an absolute awful star. He was a complete mess all day long. It was so bad they weren't even showing it on the coverage. Well, you know what I like to say. He shot a Jerry Rice. Yes. Yeah, he did Flash shoot. A, he did shoot a Jerry Rice, and probably to make this cut, I don't know what's a famous player with number sixty in the NFL. Something, <laughs> something is escaping me right now for uh, Phil Mickelson to go ahead and make this weekend here at Royal St. George. All right, we want to bring in another of my guys in the desert right now and talk some college football. That is Kenny White. He's a professional handicapper. He's also an author. You can check out his 2021 college football power ratings publication. You can follow him on Twitter at kwhiteyvay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kenny. Uh, of course, we're going to be over, going over college football conferences for a while here as we get closer to the season that'll kick off on August 28th. And we want to go to the defending champion conference, the Southeastern Conference, the SEC with you today. And before we dig a little deeper, I just want to get some of your initial thoughts overall for the conference. Are they going to be a little up, a little down? Of course, they lose a Heisman Trophy winner. What is your overall assessment before we dive into some individual teams of the SEC as a whole. Well, hey, hey guys, thanks for having me. First of all, and I'd like to say I, I did shoot an 81 time in golf, but it was on a par three. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that counts. Hey, you I shot a Jerry Rice, just like Phil Mickelson, yeah. you know? Yeah, how about that? One of the greatest of all time. So I feel good. I'm in Phil Mickelson's class when it comes to golf. Um, I have no class, actually. Um, hey, the, the SEC has always been obviously the powerhouse of so the easiest one to talk about. And I'll be honest. I think they may be the most difficult conference to bet because there's so much like the NFL, that there's so much information about the SEC. There's there's nothing that you can find that, that no one else already has. So that always makes it difficult. Um, the numbers are sharper uh, because there's more attention paid to this league. The, the, the limits are higher mostly in, in SEC contests. But uh, as a whole, um, I, they're right there, obviously, one and two. But I think the ACC... Um, can give the SEC a run this year for amount of talented teams. And I'll take the ACC's top three teams right now versus the SEC's top three teams. Kenny, before we get to the top of the board here, there were four coaching changes. Like you said, the most information out there on the SEC, but probably the most pressure on head coaches. And now you see four new head coaches in this conference. Auburn, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. So Brian Harson in at Auburn. Shane Beamer, the son of Frank Beamer, in at South Carolina. Josh Heupel comes in from UCF to take over the Tennessee job. And Clark Lee, who is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, now replaces Derek Mason at Vanderbilt of those teams anybody that you like with the first year head coach look it's always changing systems and whatnot but anybody that you think can be competitive in this conference with that first year head coach right away 
Yeah, only one of the three, Wes, and that, that's going to be Tennessee uh, with Josh Heupel coming in. Um, I think they have enough coming back. Uh, they've got 20 players that are either fifth-year seniors or six-year seniors. Um, they have enough experience, and I think Heupel's offense will fit. Um, I have them at 7.2 wins, and the win total the last I checked was six under 40 or five and a half over. So I, I did grab that five and a half over 25. Kenny, what do you think about the Florida Gators? And I believe we had a conversation about this team a while back, and you're pretty high on Emory Jones. He's the new quarterback there in Gainesville taking over for Kyle Trask. And, you know, it's not easy uh, an easy role to fill or replace, rather. Kyle Trask was a, a Heisman Trophy candidate. But tell us about the Gators, what you expect from them, and also Emory Jones behind center. Yeah, you know, the, the process, Brady, on, on rating individual players out, to come up with an offense, defense, and a team rating, doing that 130 times, uh, you know, it, it gets to the point where sometimes, you know, I'm going to make a mistake here and there, and I'm going to underrate some teams and overrate some teams. I go over the coaches first. So why I went into that right now is, you know, I, I make adjustments all the time, and that's what the magazine's for is, is to make adjustments. I, I tell people all the time, if you don't like my rating, raise it up or drop it if you think I'm overrating a team. But Florida is a team I think I underrated when I rated them out of my initial run through. I had them a 111, which is 11 points better than the average college team, but that's still 22 points lower than Alabama. And I don't know if they're three touchdowns less than Alabama who's breaking in a new quarterback because Dan Moen has done a great job there. So this is a team I'm probably going to start to rise up in the power rings a little bit early. And then after each game, if they, you know, they show me I'm wrong, I got to continue. But Emory Jones is a guy with a lot of talent, uh, great mobility. He's got a very strong arm. He's very accurate. He shouldn't fit the fit the offense. Perfect. But uh, he's got no experience. So that the lack of experience and losing a tight end, like Kyle Pitts, the best in the country really is going to hurt the offense a little bit. Uh, their win total was nine over 40. I like it under. I only had them at 7.1 wins because my low rating, who I think I'm a little too low on, which I'll raise up, but their schedule is really tough. Alabama and Tennessee at home. I just mentioned Tennessee and Heupel. I think they'll be good. Uh, they go go to LSU. They host Georgia, who are they uh, the, the game in Jacksonville against Georgia. They're at Missouri, who I think has improved. And then they play Florida State. I, I think it's that's six games right there. They have to go three and three in those games and undefeated in every other game to win nine games. So that means they got to go four and two in these six games to beat me on the win total. So I feel like I have a solid under nine here, plus money as well. So, Kenny, now we have the four rookie head coaches I mentioned, but we also have four second-year coaches, and usually you see most of the tangible improvement in that second year from that first year. So four teams here. Ole Miss, offense was really good. Defense, not so much. They were in a lot of shootouts. Mississippi State, KJ Costello clearly was not fit, a fit for the air raid with Mike Leach, so a lot of personnel changes there. Arkansas, Sam Pittman came in from Georgia. I thought the defense was very solid, but the offense, they just really had trouble scoring. And then what you just said about Missouri was kind of pretty solid on both sides of the ball. Which of those teams and why do you think are going to make the biggest leap in the second year with the second he uh, year head coach? 
Hey, Wes, I got to give you guys credit. I I love the way you're 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 you know coming up with these segments for the conference preview. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but I like the way you're breaking it down. Uh, of those second year coaches, Lane Kiffin uh, is in the best situation. Uh, I think there was talent there before he got there. Uh, he has got 36 players that are fifth year or sixth year seniors. This is a very experienced football team. 11 starters on offense, 14 on defense. Remember, my starters are guys that have played. 350 career snaps or more in the football field. That's a lot of guys. And 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 Matt Corral, I think, is going to be an outstanding quarterback. He is extremely accurate. First year in the in the system under Kiffany through 14 interceptions. If he can get that and cut it in half to seven, this guy'll be the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, Mississippi State's going to be another year away mm-hmm. because of because of Mike Leach's system. It's going to take them one more year. They bring in Jack Abraham, a quarterback who's really good, come from Southern Miss. But again, it's a new quarterback stepping into that system like Costello did last year. It didn't work out. Uh, Gardner worked out for him. Gardner Minshew worked out for him in at Washington State, but it does doesn't work out all the time, so there's going to be question marks whether Abraham works out. Uh, Arkansas, Sam Pittman, uh, he went 3-7 and seven in his first year as a head coach. Uh, he was a, co- a junior college head coach, so he did have some experience, and he spent eight years after being a junior college head coach as being an assistant at the D1 level. That's very short amount of time getting a job. So this guy must be very impressive. He went seven and three ATS last year. That impresses me. So I'm looking at Sam Pittman to definitely upgrade the talent there. And then the last one you mentioned, uh, uh, Levi Drinkwitz. Uh, another guy that's uh, very good, up-and-coming coach. I like Missouri. Um, I like what he's done with the program. I think they're going to be very good. Uh, last year they were 5-5. Five and five. Remember, those were all SEC games. He went 5-5 five and five against the best conference in college football in his first year changing systems. Kenny, I want to ask you, you uh, talked about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and their quarterback, Matt Corral. Uh, it was our colleague here that we were doing uh, some shows with during the football season, Adam Kramer, who did a lot of writing for Point Spread Weekly. Great college football mind is Mr. Kramer. He tipped us on Devonta Smith early in the year to win the Heisman Trophy. I believe it was when Waddle maybe got injured, and obviously that was a great call. He gave me Matt Corral as a pick for this year. Do you think I'm out of my mind going to the window to bet Corral for the Heisman Trophy? Not whatsoever. I have him the third best quarterback in the country, right behind Sam Howell and uh, uh, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. So, yeah, you got a great bet there. As Again, he's got to cut down on his interception rate, but 71% completions and Lane Kiffin's offensive mind. Um, I, I think Mississippi has a big year on offense this year. Kenny, uh, getting to your season win total bets here in the SEC, and I believe you have three of them. I know we touched on Florida. You like the under a little bit, but you also said maybe I underrated those guys. But there's one team that stands out to me that I did want to ask you about because we kind of been waiting on Jimbo Fisher down there in College Station. It's like, okay, when is he going to get it done? The recruiting rankings are already always pretty high, usually a top 10 national class pretty much year after year. New quarterback down there in College Station, but what do you think of the Aggies' chances? Are they just still a year or two away from kind of getting on that level, I guess you would say, with Alabama and Georgia? You know, I'm expecting college football to have a lot of upsets this year with the fifth-year seniors, sixth-year seniors, seventh-year seniors I've never seen before. Um, so, so I'm expecting so many more teams to be so much more experienced and being ready at the beginning of the season more than they ever have been before. So um, I'm expecting upsets. And I think Texas A&M is a team that, that's dropped a little bit. They did go 9-1 and one last year. Jimbo Fisher had a great year, but he, you know, he loses Kellen Mond. And that was a dual threat that uh, really prospered, I thought, last 
last year in Jimbo Fisher's offense. Uh, this team does have a lot of returning players back on defense. Uh, their offense has seven guys that have that have played over 350 snaps or more. Um, but again, the change in quarterbacks, a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, their offensive line is not as good, and every backup on the offensive line is a freshman or redshirt freshman, so there's not a lot of depth there as well. I expect them to be a great defensive team, but offensively, I think they're going to be a, a notch below what they were last year. So I, I did I did bet them under this year. I, I went under 9.5. I had them at 7.7 wins. Kenny, real quick here. We've got just about 10 seconds. The opening week of college football Labor Day weekend, UCLA is hosting LSU, catching four and a half points. What's your initial opinion on this one? Yeah, I, um, I would I would lean to LSU a little bit. Much, much better talent. All right, very good. Thank you, Kenny. We'll talk to you about more college football conferences throughout the month of July and heading into August as well. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Kenny. All right, that is Kenny White. Follow him on Twitter at KYDVegas. We'll be back in a moment with more guy, more of my guys in the desert. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends 
safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome back to My Guys in the Desert from the OddsTrader.com studio right here at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info you need. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you talking a little baseball. We were supposed to resume Major League Baseball's second half today, but it has been canceled. The game between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Only one game scheduled for your Thursday, but now it is off the board, Mr. Reynolds. Yeah, it is uh, due to some uh, COVID protocols uh, with the Yankees organization. This from Lindsey Adler, who covers the Yankees for the Athletic. And uh, Brian Cashman confirmed the three players that that are in quarantine that did have positive cases who are all vaccinated, as Brian Cashman mentioned, Jonathan Loisega, Nestor Cortez and Wandy Peralta. All were vaccinated, but all have tested positive due to COVID-19. And they think that there may be as many as six who are or may be COVID positive. Uh, those three have been confirmed. So we haven't heard any of the other cases or I have yet to hear it before we got on air here. But. Look, uh, we don't know if those are false positives or whatnot, but nevertheless, the game is going to be off tonight. Who knows uh, with tomorrow's games that has not been determined as of yet. But, you know, and I was kind of going to mention before this this happened and, and, you know, I'd still be somewhat interested, maybe buy on bad news here with the New York Yankees, because I do think a lot of people think that they're going to be sellers and maybe that this is just what they are, a barely over 500 team. But I think in terms of line value, if you're looking for somebody to catch those two teams, at the top, maybe I would look at the New York Yankees. Uh, seeing 25 to 1, I mentioned, I think it was a few weeks ago, Brady, when we discussed this, I was like, you know, 15 to 1 or better is what I'd need on the Yankees for a World Series. Well, now you're getting, you're getting 25 to 1. They're starting to hit the ball. So yeah. they are starting to hit a little bit better. And that's kind of when I mentioned that, I think when we were talking about that, that was when Tyler Glasnow had his injury with the Tampa Bay Rays. And we're going to see what the Rays do if they're going to be buyers, because they're usually not necessarily buyers at the deadline because they do have a little bit of a lower payroll down there in Tampa. But 
I do think that they need another arm on that staff, and maybe somebody like a Jose Barrios is made available from the Minnesota Twins. So I got to think the Rays are going to do something. When the Red Sox get Chris Sale back, who knows? It looks like they're going to get him back at some point in the second half of the season. You know, can they keep this up in terms of their pitchers who have been so good? The Nady of all these, uh, Erod, Garrett Richards, uh, Martin Perez. Like, can they keep this up? Because we know the Red Sox are going to are going to hit the ball and we know they're going to score runs especially in that park up in Fenway but I think that they're clearly the surprise team I thought that they were a little bit better I have their season wins over I thought they were going to be a little better than 500 I didn't think they were going to be 55 and 36 here in July yeah 55 and 36 is exactly the record for the Boston Red Sox to top the American League East and if you look at that division the Rays a game and a half back at 53 and 37 the Yankees there three games above 500 at 46 and 43 and they are eight games back. The Orioles all the way down in the cellar 28 and 61 and 26 games out of first place. You talk about the Yankees, Wes, and I think you're right because the overall uh, perception, and especially in the media capital of the world in New York, Mm -hmm. everybody's disgusted with this team. Oh, you know, the sky is falling. So, And with that, the, the odds keep rising. You look at the odds on the Yankees to make the playoffs, and this is something to keep in mind. You have to make this bet before tomorrow in baseball resumes. These are available at DraftKings. The Yankees uh, to make the playoffs is plus money, plus 130. I don't think that's a bad bet either. I don't either. I I just got to think that they're going to make some kind of move. I know Hank Steinbrenner and the Steinbrenner sons a little bit more stingy with the wallet than daddy was, but, (laughs) and they want to stay under that tax, but they got to, you know, kind of fish or cut bait here and determine what they want to do. They've had a little bit of issue with the bullpen. It hasn't been Chapman going. He had been struggling here over the last couple weeks. So they've had Chad green out there closing games and different guys. So if I was looking at value down the board, I would be looking at, at the New York Yankees, but I want to see what some of these teams do, who are going to be buyers and who are going to be sellers. I got to think the Oakland A's may be, may be a buyer. I know we're talking East here, but that's where you got to determine it. Like the Orioles at the bottom are clearly going to be sellers and they have maybe a couple pieces that I think would interest guys where it's like, okay, we're going nowhere. So you kind of pick the bones off the bad teams and really the Orioles are one of the bad teams here in the AL East, so we'll see what they do. I think Toronto is kind of what they are. I don't anticipate them being big buyers or big sellers. I was just going to ask you about the Blue Jays. Doesn't it feel like a team that you want to bet on next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're probably about a year too early. And and maybe once they get a permanent home, that would surely yeah, help because yeah. they've been in Dunedin, Florida. They've been in Buffalo, New York. They've been everywhere but their home in Toronto, Ontario. Yeah, and that's got to be a little unsettling. Yeah, you know, it's they... wearing on these guys. And, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., MVP candidate. But I just don't think they have enough in this division. Maybe next year for the Toronto Blue Jays. We will see. In the next segment, we will talk about the NBA Finals, the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, coming up right here on VSIN.
The college football season is right around the corner, and that means the VSIN College Football Betting Guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch out for, so you have a betting edge this college football season. The guide is only $19.99, and discounts are available when you buy early, so now's the time to reserve your copy or sign up for the VSIN All Access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up right now at vsin.com subscribe. My guys in the desert here, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa at the tip of the strip. Talking a little NBA finals. We're all tied at two games apiece, Mr. Reynolds. The Bucks uh, hold serve on their home court, as did the Phoenix Suns to open this series. All tied at two games apiece now. Game five will be back in Phoenix on Saturday. The Suns are currently favored by four. A lower total. We've been seeing 220, 221 here for game five. Total has been dipped down to 218 and a half. And we were watching that game together, actually, game four in Milwaukee last night. And I, I think our colleague Ben Fox put out a tweet out there that the Bucks led this game for like a total of mm -hmm. 16 seconds or mm -hmm. something like that. It kind of played out the way I thought it would. I played the Suns plus the four and a half. I thought Monty Williams and company would make the adjustments. And they were they were controlling this game, but then down the stretch, the Bucks. I mean, it was a close game throughout the entire way. Uh, but the Bucks ended up getting the lead, and in the final seconds, some foul shots and what have you. They end up covering the spread. That killed me. Uh, but we're all tied again at two apiece. Yeah, I don't know to, whether to call it a bad beat or a tough beat. If you had the Phoenix Suns, and and they probably got a couple calls go their way. I know when Devin Booker had the guy wrapped up, and they didn't call the foul. Where it's like he should have been fouled out of the game like five minutes ago. He's got eight fouls but they've only called him for five. So that's what they were saying. And obviously Devin Booker led the way for the Phoenix Suns with 42 points off that awful game he had in game three. But it kind of played out the way I thought it would too because I did like Giannis under the 34 and a half points and he did come in at 26. Now 26 and 14, that's a pretty darn good game even though it's fall below his uh, last two games in terms of a standard. But really the key for the Milwaukee Bucks is these guys, these complimentary guys, these second and third options, they got to step up. It was really kind of a combination of Middleton and Holiday in game three. And last night it was kind of like all Chris Middleton, 15 of 33 from the floor, but he did have 40 points. Drew Holiday struggled to shoot the basketball, four of 20 from the floor, 13.7 rebounds, seven assists. But yeah, I think the Suns were kind of right there. They were inside the number the whole game. They led for most of the game, but just kind of fell apart at the end. So now we go back two to two. So I wonder what we're going to see because we've seen the home favorite get there I believe in every game in this series yeah. so at 4-0 so are we going to continue that pattern and you're already seeing mostly fours in the market right now there are still some three and a halves that's where it opened in the overnight so I could see the Suns maybe continuing to get the support and that would maybe drive me a little bit to the Milwaukee Bucks if this can go up to four and a half or go up to five which is what they were basically laying last night so you know, you're, when, when you're looking at this, Brady, I think you are seeing a little bit of the adjustments now. And as the series goes on, I think that's why you've seen the total now get put down at 218 and a half, 218, because it's like, okay, now this is like the crucial game here in game five to take the momentum in the series. 
So that's why you're seeing it already be adjusted. I think it's already the tax is probably already in the number. I would still lean under at this point, but I have not bet this as of yet. That makes a lot of sense that there's already some tax in that number. Uh, the importance of the game, the trend we've seen with home favorites covering the number. And I think you and I were, you know, correct in our handicap that we expected Monty Williams to make the adjustments and the Suns to be very competitive in game four. And you talk about Giannis and a nice hit there on the prop with his under point total. 26 and 14 out of Giannis. You mentioned that that's a fantastic game. Certainly it is. Wouldn't, if you're the Suns, wouldn't you take 26 and 14 out of Giannis every night? That's kind of where you want him to be, right? You would, but you got to assume that Chris Middleton and Drew yeah. Holiday are going to give you that. And Drew Holiday really continues, I think, to struggle to shoot the basketball. He's okay in game three, but four of 20 last night. So they need something out of him because I think that was kind of the difference in that Atlanta series. Like right when you got into the middle of the series, when you started to get to the back nine of the, of the best of seven, he started to play a lot better and give you a little bit more offensively. So I thought maybe last night was going to be the game that he did. So he did not. So maybe game five is going to be that game. And then now that uh, we're looking at a different angle here, because much has been made of the discussion of the MVP odds mm -hmm. in this series. And, you know, you know, Chris Paul was the guy that we liked even, even before they made the finals we were like eight, nine to one. That's a very good number. On we Chris were talking Paul. about him at 25 to yeah, one. Yeah. Because this is like kind of a lifetime achievement type of thing because they want to give it to the veteran and they always do when that veteran finally gets his crack at bat on the big stage in the finals you want to reward them and you're almost rewarding them for a career and certainly the numbers he's put up in the playoffs especially in closeout games have I think made him a worthy candidate but now you're seeing Giannis as the favorite here at plus 130 this via DraftKings and then plus 175 on Chris Paul it's basically okay who do you think is going to win the series, and that's probably what you're going to prefer here. I think it's going to go either way. Devin Booker's still down there at 260, but I think he had that one real bad game in game three. So unless he closes out the series, getting 40-plus points in every game, it's a two-guy race. How about this? You've got the adjusted series price. The Phoenix Suns opened up as minus 170 favorites to win this series. They are now down to minus 135 favorites, and the take back on the Milwaukee Bucks is plus one. 115. If the Bucks are going to come back and win this, wouldn't you rather take Giannis to win MVP at plus 130 rather than Bucks to win the series? Yeah, I think that's a very good observation. I think you're getting a little bit a little bit more value necessarily from that standpoint because the MVP is going to be Giannis if the Milwaukee Bucks win this series. Nobody else is getting this. This guy has played injured and, you know, we I don't even know if he's 100% now, but I know he's putting up big numbers. So, look, and he's a two-time league MVP, so it's kind of like he gets the best benefit of the doubt if it's close. Here's another one for you. It's If the Suns win, it's going to be Paul. If the Bucks win, it's going to be Giannis. Right? I mean, you can bet uh, Giannis at plus 130 to win the MVP, and you can take Chris Paul at plus 175. Maybe those are both good bets. That's probably the better way to do it now that this is a very closely, you know, kind of an even straddle. Obviously, the Suns would host Game 7, so that's put into the number at minus 145, buck 25 on the take back from Milwaukee, but that's probably the way I would do it at this standpoint, and the fact that you still have this full menu because it is a competitive series all tied at two through four games you still have a lot of options with how you want to play this if you did not get involved pre-flop or you're maybe doing some hedging or trying to you know buy off a certain position if you want to go that route any initial opinion on the total Wes uh, consensus price is 218 and a half 
I think that's about right. I still lean to the under, but I think it has been adjusted accordingly. And we know the regular season and really the start of the series, we started to see kind of higher tempo, higher scoring games. But now as we get later, I think you're going to see a little bit more pronounced line bias to the under. All right, back to the open. We go to our man Stephen Hennessy with Golf Digest to talk some golf when we come back on the other side right here at My Guys in the Desert. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From the OddsTrader.com studio right here at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa, it's my guys in the desert. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up-to-the-second information you need. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds, we're with you inside my guys in the desert from the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. And joined now by our friend, a frequent golf contributor here on the network. It's Stephen Hennessy, the deputy managing editor at Golf Digest. And you can follow him on Twitter at S underscore Hennessy GD. Good to talk with you, Mr. Hennessy, during the week of a major championship. And before we get into a few specific players or what have you, what was your overall takeaway from round one at Royal St. George's? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, day. I, I was a little disappointed in the course, to be honest. It played a little too easy for my liking. I, you know, the rough was really thick, and you know, it did penalize you for not hitting a fairway. But um, I don't know what you guys thought, but I just saw too many balls in the fairway. You know, kind of hit soft, and I know they've had a lot of rain there, and we kind of expected that, but. That was just a little disappointing in terms of the course setup. Um, but it did get tougher as the day went on, so we saw a bunch of those morning wave uh, tee times hold those spots up top of the leaderboard. Um, obviously impressive what Louis Eusthazen did. Jordan Spieth in, in great position now. He, you know, he's the, the, the betting favorite. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway, I guess, coming into it. I expected maybe a tougher test, and I think a lot of people did. But uh, this this uh, wet summer they've had in England uh, you know, definitely made things a little easier for the morning waves. Yeah, Stephen, we really don't have, like, the brown patches on the course that we usually see at an open championship because usually when it's dry, that's exactly what you get. And to your point, you talked about in terms of the early guys, the early rounds, I believe, 32 rounds in the six. So 70.11 was the average score for the morning flight, guys. Afternoon flight, much harder, 71.75, just 15 rounds in the 60s. Do you anticipate kind of that we're going to see the same thing tomorrow where these afternoon guys guys that had to grind a little bit are going to have easier scoring tomorrow, and then now the morning guys like the Ustazens and the Spiefs get paid back a little bit, perhaps with a little bit tougher conditions in the afternoon tomorrow? Yeah, sure hope so. So that way, you know, one wave of the uh, tee times don't get the unfair advantage. And looking at the wind right now, it it does seem to be similar to what it was today. Um, You get some gusts up to 20 miles an hour, but just kind of a consistent uh, 14 miles an hour. It looks like around 1 o'clock it dies down to about 9 or 10. So, um, you know, maybe an advantage to people starting off their morning wave a little later in the day. So uh, maybe we'll see some guys move up uh, to that degree. But, you know, what you want to see is kind of that fair uh, draw. So, you know, you don't have things like in 2016 at Troon where, you know, there's this huge uh, advantage to teeing off one way or another. So, yeah, I, I do expect to see, 
you know, similar conditions to what we saw this morning. Stephen, if you look at a couple of the trends out there after round one in the Open Championship, uh, five shots off the lead is where you want to be, five shots or less off of the lead, and you also want to be inside the top 20 if you're going to go on and win this thing. Uh, where do you kind of put the breaking point as who still has a chance after day one? Yeah, it's interesting because if guys could go pretty low in the morning, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out someone, um, you know, who's six, seven back. They make a big move, and all of a sudden, they're right back in it. So, you know, being that there's 54 holes left, uh, you know, I, I would say anyone, um, even at one over, um, you know, guys like Bryson who's right there. I mean, who knows if he. Uh, sorts out that mental game, which I think that's saying a lot. Uh, he was kind of all over the place today. What what a experience that was watching him out there, and then his comments afterward, obviously. But yeah, I would say you know even par plus one and, um, and plus two, even if you shoot a 64, 65, which we saw today, um, you know has you kind of right back in the thick of things. Good lead in there, Stephen, because I did want to ask you about Bryson DeChambeau, who's kind of one of the big stories, at least on, on day one. And uh, you can see the the quote on the screen there. He obviously commented on the his uh, driver, manufactured by Cobra Golf, his club endorser, uh, and said that basically the driver sucked. And then in, in kind of something that's a little bit unprecedented, you did have Cobra Golf come out with a statement. The guy that actually came out with the statement was the brand tours operations manager, Ben Show who actually was on the bag for Bryson DeChambeau two weeks ago in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And he basically says everybody is bending over and backwards. We've got multiple guys in R&D who are computer-aided designing this and that and trying to get this and that into the pipeline faster. He knows it. It was just really, really painful when he says something that stupid. And then he went on to call Bryson an eight-year-old, basically. <laughs> He's like, it's like when an eight-year-old gets mad at you, they might fly off the handle and say, I hate you, but then you go, whoa, no, you don't. And now this just put out from uh, Golf Channel by Ryan Lavner uh, linked to Bryson DeChambeau's Instagram where he puts out a statement apologizing for his comments. So you wonder, I mean, this guy, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, he's constantly tinkering with the game. Do you think that the Brooks Kepka kind of poking and prodding is really getting in his head or where, where do you just see Bryson right now? I know he's never been good at the open championship. You got to think eventually he's got the talent to figure it out, but he just looks like he is well off the grid this time. Yeah, I, I think you hit on that a little bit, Wes. I think he's a little unhinged at the moment and, you know, maybe too emotional, you know, mentally in his own head and, uh, you know, to blame his equipment, like that, listen, I mean, he's had the entire week to practice with this driver, uh, you know, adjust his strategy if he thought the driver wasn't the play off, this, off the tees here and, you know, hit a bunch of irons. I mean, he hits his five iron 250 yards, probably farther than that. Uh, so if he had to bench the driver, which he probably should have done, uh, he had a couple of days to figure that out. It, it was very unprofessional. I thought it was really weak. Um, one of the most surprising things I've heard from a tour pro in my 10 years being in the golf industry, but then even more surprising, you know, being that Cobra was prepared to put out that statement, throwing Bryson under the bus a little bit. I'd be surprised if, uh, if Bryson and Cobra don't uh, part ways in the coming weeks and months here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bryson just seems like, um, you know, he, 
it's almost like he should take a, a couple weeks off, maybe a month off, and maybe he will after this last major of the season and just kind of, you know, get figure everything out, figure out his, his caddy life. You know, he has a new caddy. Uh, his equipment, obviously, he's unhappy with. His game, he's been very consistent. So, um, yeah, maybe he should pull a, a Matthew Wolf and just, you know, if things aren't right mentally, just, you know, step away. And I found it funny that Stephen, your cohort and your partner on the Be Right podcast as part of Golf Digest, Christopher Powers, actually tweeted that out. Bryson's next club deal, even money Taylor made, two to one titleist, three to one that he's going to stay with Cobra and then so on and so forth. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how this materializes, Brady. Great minds think alike. It was uh, at the break before we had you on, Stephen, that I said, maybe this is a Matthew Wolf situation where he needs to step away a little bit and get his head straight. Right. But, uh, you know, the, and... And we kind of laugh at that, uh, at that, but that's nothing to joke about either. I hope this guy does get his life turned around because it seems like it's been spiraling the wrong way for a few weeks here, if not uh, a couple of months. But uh, I want to ask you about Rory McIlroy, Stephen. What were your thoughts on Rory McIlroy? Were you high on him coming into this tournament, or were you fading Rory McIlroy coming in? And then your thoughts on his round today. He ends up shooting even par, and I thought, I mean, he certainly had his struggles and his moments out there throughout the 18 holes, but I thought it was a big deal for him to birdie the very last 18th hole and that probably puts him in a good frame of mind heading into round two yeah I think so too Brady I think that's that could be a cliche to you know come in with momentum into the next round and you know make that birdie on the last hole but uh you know to do that in the tough conditions in the afternoon I I think is huge for him uh it, it was kind of a tale of a couple different rounds in one he got off to that really good start. It looked like, oh, okay, you know, Rory's going to threaten the lead a little here. Um, and then he struggled. Um, but to grind it out, I mean, that's those are the kind of rounds that you would be used to seeing Tiger uh, put together to, you know, get in the mix of a major. Um, so I think the way that he hit the ball um, in those conditions, I was impressed with. Again, we saw it was the putting, the short game kind of let him down. That's been uh, the issue with Rory. So, He's right there, and if he can put together, you know, a two, three under round tomorrow, you know, I think he's right back in it. Steven got about 90 seconds left, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I know Brady and I talked about this in the opening segment of the show in terms of if you want to get in on an in-play wager, depending on what portfolio you have pre-flop, that maybe you sometimes want to rate until round two to see what the draw bias is and let these guys that play in the easier conditions play in the tougher conditions and then kind of go from there once we start the weekend. Uh, anybody, though, that stood out to you really after day one, if you were going a little bit down the board, if you're not already in Involved with speed like I am, or you're not already on Ustays, and anybody that impressed you a little bit down the board that you say, okay, maybe we underestimated these guys, and and this guy is going to be a contender come the weekend. Yeah, someone who I didn't know what to make of was Colin Morikawa, and I was really impressed with his, with his three under round. He's right in the mix, Six, sixteen to one. I'm seeing uh, DraftKings, so um, I think that's an okay number, being that he's right there. And, you know, we know the level of his game. Uh, Victor Hovland, too, 25 to 1, I'm seeing. That's pretty much what he was pre flop. And I was really impressed with him. Another one of these open newcomers and, uh, you know, had a chance to get to four under at one point, just struggled coming in. But I think he's 
right there too. So those two are are very interesting to me. And Scotty Scheffler, uh, who you could have caught a little higher pre-flop. Now he's about 25 to one. Um, I was really impressed with all three of those newcomers debuts. I agree with you, especially on Scheffler two weeks in a row now for a kid that really hasn't played much Lynx golf at all. Did well at the Scottish Open and good so far after round one at the British Open. Thank you as always, Stephen, for joining us and uh, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the Open Championship, my friend. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks, Stephen. All right. That is Stephen Hennessy. Follow him on Twitter at S underscore Hennessy GD. too, that he's liking the rookies here. These yeah. guys are open championship rookies, mind you. Morikawa, Scheffler, and Victor Hovland. And look, right up there in the mix, usually I like to skirt those guys, but maybe the talent's going to win out. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about the open and also go to a few more of my guys in the desert down in downtown Las Vegas. Derek Stevens and Mike Palm will join the program in our number two right here on vsin the sports betting network hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was so cool I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.